Hello and welcome to the Celebration Church podcast. We're glad you're here. In just a moment, we're going to jump into this week's message. But before we do, I want to encourage you to connect with us online. You can follow us on Instagram or Facebook, and you can also subscribe to our YouTube channel and this very podcast. We want to stay connected. So another great way to do that is be our guest on a Sunday. I'd love to invite you to be here. If you're local, come out. We want to meet you, get to know you, worship with you. We'd really, really enjoy your company. And without further ado, let's jump into this week's message. We're living out of boxes, and that's because we are. We're, um, we're getting ready to move over. So not next Sunday, but the following Sunday will be our first service in our new space. Yeah. So after this service, if you want to kind of go look around out there, you, you're more than welcome to go, you know, peek your nose in and look around. Don't go up on the stage area. They're, they're still working on some things. Um, and so we will leave, your footprints would be there if you went up there. So don't do that. But you're more than welcome to go look over there if you want. And some people have just chosen not to go over there until we have service because they want to be uh, just surprised. And so uh, one of them being one of our trustee members, and I love it. Just like, no, no I want to see I want to see the finished product. And that's that's incredible. So uh, yeah, we're, we're almost there. And what that means is this. It means you're, you're like on the ground floor of something. It, it means if you're, if you're not already using your gifts and the talents, the things that God has uh, put inside of you to make a difference in the world around you, uh, we need you activated in, in the body of Christ. Whether that's here or at another church, we need you activated here. Like We need you to get involved because God is, is doing an incredible thing here. Uh, you know, this morning as I, as I was walking around, I was just thinking, man, it was just just a couple of years ago that we were just a tiny little church meeting in a school. And uh, just just so you know, like I have no ambition of pastoring a large church. I just feel fully responsible to be faithful to whatever God puts in our hands. And um, and I just believe God is drawing people to this valley for a reason, for a purpose. And I want to be a part of that purpose and a part of that reason. Uh, I, I want I want to be be just like a tool in his hand that makes a difference in a generation that is searching for change and searching uh, for something new and fresh. And um, so today, um, thank you. Um, we're, I, I prepared this message especially for you today, and um, we're in the middle of a, of a collection of messages on the Sermon on the Mount. The Sermon on the Mount is not just a cliche portion of scripture. It's, it's the most important, it's the, the, the most important uh, sermon that Jesus gives. It, it, it's it's Jesus' manifesto for what it looks like to live a new life. Like the Sermon on the Mount wasn't written to unbelievers, to, you know, and I, and I know that in this room today that there are people that live for God and there's people that, that you would say, I'm, I'm just here for, for the free iced coffee and air conditioning. Like that's great. That's great. Air conditioning is not that good in this room, but it'll be great over there. But Jesus isn't specifically talking to unbelievers in this portion of Scripture. In this portion of Scripture, he's talking directly to people that would call themselves Christians, people who have placed their faith in him, and he's describing what it looks like to live out the the Spirit-filled life, what it looks like to live a life driven by the Spirit of God. And so 
The Sermon on the Mount, it's, uh, it comes in three parts and in three chapters, and the parts sort of uh, correlate with the chapters. Uh, the first part is blessings that he, it's in Matthew chapter 5, 6, and 7, and um, the, the first portion is blessings that he's declaring over people that are living in the way of Jesus, people that are living the way Jesus calls, calls us to live. He's, he's declaring blessings over them. And then the second part is a, a model of prayer. It's a model of prayer and a model of what it looks like to, to have spiritual disciplines in our life, like where to receive affirmation from. This is what we talked about last week. And then the third portion is a collection of uh, things we do, uh, how, how we live, like wise sayings that are, that are in stark contrast to the culture around us. And when we look at the Sermon on the Mount, it's really easy to say something like, man, it feels like it was written for 2023. And, and the reason it feels that way is because, guess what? People have not changed all that much. You say, well, pastor, you don't know. Like, you, you, you may say that, but look at the news. Look at what's going on in our nation. Look at, like, at the, the, the cultural revolution that's going on in our nation. Things are crazy. Can I just tell you that they were dealing with the, the exact same issues in first century Rome? The exact same issues. And, um, and Jesus is telling us what it looks like to live as followers of Jesus. <clears throat> um. Today we're we're gonna we're gonna dive in on, on a uh, a really interesting topic. But before we do, I just want to share a quick story uh, about as we're building this expansion. They um, we ended up doing risers over there. We we uh, we had discussed whether we were going to do a flat floor or we were going to have raised seating so that people could see over the heads of the people in front of them. And can I just get a, get a thank you, Jesus, from everybody in the back that, that, that can't see anything? And so you're like, thank you, Jesus, there will be risers. <laughs> I was debating whether or not we're going to do it. And around Christmas time, I walked to the back of just this little space here, and I was like, oh, no, oh, no, oh, no, this is not good. A flat floor is not fantastic, even with a super high stage. Maybe we just have a ladder up here, and you just stand on the ladder, and you could... <clears throat> and... Um, when we were doing the risers, the architect had drawn the plans in two different ways, one with the risers and one without the risers. And we went back and said, no, let's, let's go ahead and make sure we do that. And, um, and as, as we, we put in the first section of risers, uh, I, I, had, I had seen the progress as they were going. And everything that's been going on over there has been going really smooth. Like, like we're under budget. We're on time. Like, it's really smooth. It's been wonderful. And, um, when we got to the risers, there was, they were all nice. And I, the first time they set them up, I, I walked up all of them. And when I got to the top, near the top, I noticed that there was one just really small step. Like there's all these, because they were drawn like three foot, three inches. And, um, and all these steps. And then one at the very top was like less than maybe two and a half feet. And uh, in my mind, I was just like, oh, no, like, how is this? Is something's wrong? There's a, there's a mistake. Like, it's, it's going to be a problem. And, and I talked to the superintendent, and he said, oh, it's fine. We'll, we'll figure it out. We'll, we'll, we'll make this work out just well. And, um, and so he, he, you know, robbed from Peter to pay Paul a little bit all the way through it. So they're all about the same. And, and they're all, because I called the chair company. I was like, what's the minimum? Like, what, what's the bare minimum these risers can be? And they said, three feet. And I said, okay, great. 
So I go back and, and I tell him, and he, he makes sure that they're all like within that range. And, um, but inside of me, I was super frustrated. I, I was Honestly, I was, I was pretty derailed by it because I, I was like, they're supposed to be three foot three inches, and they're not three foot three inches. Like, it's not, it's not they're, they're like three feet, and then they need to be three foot three inches. You know, this is, anybody else like this? <clears throat> like, uh, this is what it's supposed to be. Like, I, I was going down this rabbit hole, and my wife's like, oh, you're obsessing. And I'm like, yes, I'm obsessing. <clears throat> I, I was really... Um, Man, I was just frustrated. And people would ask me, like, are you stressed out about this building program? I'm like, no, not at all. Like, we did all the budgeting ahead of time. We, we worked hard with the budget stuff to make sure that we're good. Um, we worked hard with the, the initial planning, so we're good. Like, we're under budget. We're, we're on time. And, and, and I'm good. And, and then I felt like this sharp pain. Like, you know what I mean? Like, <laughs> as I'm thinking about this stupid riser, I'm like, ow. Like, that doesn't, that doesn't feel... That didn't feel good. Like, that's not kind. And, um, and, and I got super frustrated about this riser. And I, I remember um, I was praying. I, I wasn't here. We had, we had gone to, uh, I, I believe we were at a friend's church. It, it, it must have been where it was. But we were somewhere else. And I was praying. And I was just like, God, I'm just so frustrated about this riser. Like, this one step that's, even though they've changed the spacing from all the other ones, that one step, I was still just like, that one step ruins the whole building. Burn it down. Like, start over. Anybody ever like that? Like, like, you got one little bit of black on the pancakes, throw it in the trash. Like, it's no good. A little bit of brown on the, on the bananas, throw them away. Like, this is, this is where I was. I was just like, oh, it's not good. And as I was sitting there praying, I, I, I was praying, and I just, in my, in my mind, sometimes the Lord speaks to us in different ways. Sometimes it's an impression. Sometimes it's somebody giving us an encouraging word. Uh, it's always going to be supported by or from the Scripture. Um, but as I was praying about this riser that I felt was messing up the entire project, in my mind's eye, I saw that step. And I just saw like a waterfall of the presence of God like hitting that step and like pouring down the risers. And, and in my, it was like in that moment of, of like, oh, God, God's telling me this building's his building to worry about and not my building to worry about. Like this is, this is, this is his project, it's not my project. Like, it's his presence, not my presence. It's, it's his gifting, not my gifting. Like, like he's going to take care of it, and he, he fully intends to use that one. And everyone's like, which step was that, right? Like, I want to be on that one. I'm, I'm, it was just so, so um, calming to me when I came to this place of realizing, like, uh, as worried as I am about this, when I'm able to release that and be like, no, God's, God's going to take care of it. Like he started this thing. He's done miracles to get us here. And I don't have to manage my way through it. It was just so relieving in that space. I think we all worry about little things, and they derail our entire lives. We worry about one step, and it's like the whole building's a failure. We worry about one little thing. Maybe, maybe for you, it's, it's you're, you're worried about your finances, and so then it, it affects all of the relationships around you. Or maybe you're worried about what's going to become of our nation, and so you're brushing up on your Chinese. I don't, I don't know. <clears throat> might, be a good, might be a good option. Just ni hao ma. Like, <clears throat> it, 
maybe you're, maybe you're worried about your workplace, maybe the business you started, and it just keeps you up at night, just worrying about what's going on in the workplace. Or, or maybe you're worried about a conversation that you had with somebody uh, that you care about. Or maybe worse, you're worried about a conversation you haven't had with them yet. Or maybe you're, you're worried that you just don't have enough money to make it through the next month. Or, or maybe you have enough finances, but because you have enough finances, you have a different type of worry. You, wonder, you worry that you will be able to sustain what you've already created. And you worry that, like, that you're one catastrophe away from it all vanishing out of your hands. And, and can I just say that, that worry and anxiety is prevalent in our culture? We are plagued with this thing called worry. Uh, a, New, a 2019 New York Times World Mental Health Survey, uh, they surveyed 21 countries, and they said that of, for Americans, 86% of Americans sometimes or often feel nervous, anxious, or worried. 80 86% of the people in this room would have responded to a survey saying that they feel worried, nervous, or anxious. <clears throat> there's been studies since then that have said things that like, like 25, there's been a 25% increase in anxiety in America since COVID and all that happened in 2020. What that means is an increase in one in four people. That, that means if there's, if there's eight people on the row with you, there's an additional two that are worried with you today. There's been, there's been just a lot of anxiety and worry in the culture around us. The, the National Academy of Scientists says that of all those people that are anxious, worried, or nervous, they spend large portions of their day, of their day concerned about things around them. Of that group, 30% can be attributed uh, to, to medical conditions that require medicine, require treatment. But the other 70% of people are things that can be changed by their outlook on life or their daily habits. Now, I want to begin this message as I'm talking about anxiety and worry. I, I want to say this. If, if you are taking medicine for anxiety or, or you know, your, 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 your nerves today. Don't hear my message and get off your meds. I've, I've had people do that before. Oh, I'm off my meds. I'm like, no, 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 we, we need you on. But I believe God can change things. But make sure you're talking to your doctor as you process through the change that God's doing in your life. Does that make sense? <clears throat> I just think it's a huge problem. Of people in Generation Z, they, I'm from Canada, so Generation Z. Um, <laughs> these are the people that were born between the 90s and the 2010s. These people, they reported that they have, on average, they have 10 tough mental days in the span of one month. And an older generation, our boomers in the room are like, well, they just need to get toughen up. You're not wrong. You're not wrong. <laughs> You're not wrong. But, but, but the truth is, whatever the cause of the anxiety and whatever the cause of the worry and the nervousness, it is just as real. 
Your, your child that says that they're dealing with anxiety has just as real anxiety as, as you might. They might not be working with the stress of an employer and a, and a job, but they, they have been born into a stressful world. You, you weren't born into a world where you had to compare yourself to every other child in America based on little red dots on a touchscreen. And so there's like this massive level of, of worry and anxiety. In fact, of, of Generation Z, m- more than two out of five have a diagnosed mental health condition. And of those, more than a quarter, 26%, were diagnosed during the pandemic from March 2020 and later. And the largest, by far, mental health issue that Generation Z is dealing with is anxiety. It's anxiety. We are at an all-time high for anxiety. Uh, Let alone the fact that we have incandescent light bulbs that allow us to stay up until 2 in the morning. Not helpful. You you realize that, like, God actually designed a a rhythm for us to live in? It's called the sun and the moon. We're designed to go to bed at nighttime. Have you ever noticed when you go camping, you, get, you, you go to bed early? You, you know, you're like, man, I just went to bed so early. It was just, I, I just, it's because you didn't have your iPad charged and there was no light bulbs. And so you went to bed early and you still woke up at the same. Like, like we live in a worried age. People, you know, maybe for you, you're worried about your kids or you're worried about your aging parents or you're worried about your 401k or you're worried about your health or you're worried about your sex life or you're worried about, you know, in the middle of the night, there's just things that kind of wake you up in the middle of the night and you're just worried. You just kind of wake up worried. Or maybe for you, you have trouble going to sleep because you're just anxious about a conversation or something, or maybe for you, you go to sleep, but then you have these troubling dreams that just keep reoccurring all night long, week in and week out. I'm just saying we live in a worried society. And in the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus addresses this issue. He says it like this. This is Jesus' words in Matthew chapter 6, verse 25. Jesus says, that is why I tell you not to worry about everyday life. Jesus' response to worry is this. Don't do it. (laughs) I thought this was going to be helpful, Pastor. My, My hope today is that somebody would be free from the anxiety that's been plaguing your life. But you got to understand that when Jesus speaks of anxiety and worry, he has a different view of it than, than us. Like, like we see it as uh, anxiety, as something that is imposed on us because of the stress that we live in. Jesus sees it as an illness of the heart that does not trust God. I'm not saying you're a wretched person if you have anxiety. We all do. I was freaking out about a stare. but we see it as imposed on us because of stressful situations. And Jesus sees it as an illness of a heart that does not trust God. It's our desire to be able to control all the scenarios and all the things around us and make sure that everything is done by the book the way we want it to be. Can I just tell you that your life is going to be out of control and God is the only one that can control something that's out of control. He says, I tell you not to worry about everyday life, whether you have enough food or whether you have food and drink or enough clothes to wear. 
Isn't life more than food and your body and more than clothing? Like, this is like the Sunday morning questions, right? Like, where are we going to eat? What are we going to drink? What am I going to wear? Every Sunday morning, what am I going to wear? Like, start throwing stuff in, in, in the laundry machine. Like, Sunday morning. He says, don't worry about these things, these basic issues of life. He's talking about the basic necessities of life, food, shelter, and clothing, like the, the basics. Don't worry about these basics. <clears throat> it's funny. I think it's really funny that he, he talks about clothing. Because uh, for me, like clothing, like my, my, my wife dresses me, okay? Like she dresses me. Like she does, she'll set like one piece. I've got enough to be able, if she puts one piece of clothing on the bed, uh, then I know like how to kind of make things go with it. But she'd tell me what to, what to wear. But, but when she gets dressed, it's very different. For me, it's, there's, a, there's, a, there's a black t-shirt. I, blue jeans, a black t-shirt, like black jeans, black t-shirt. I can make that work. But with her, like she's getting trained. She'll get changed like four or five times before she leaves the house. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> like she looked great. Like you look foxy girl. And then she comes back in the room wearing something different. Like what are you doing? Well, I just don't have any, I don't have any clothes to wear. What do you, what do you mean you don't have any, like all, you got lot, <laughs> you got lots of clothes to wear. I don't have anything. What, what does she really mean when she says she doesn't have anything? She means, I don't have anything that matches the way I feel. Right? I, I don't have anything. <laughs> because the truth is we can be anxious about what we wear, can't we? Well, it can, clothing can make, make us anxious. You ever have to put on a, a, a nice suit? Do you ever feel anxious wearing that nice suit? You ever put on a parachute? What you wear can make you anxious. You ever have to put on a bathing suit for summer? <laughs> you, know? you know what I'm saying? It's like, ah, I'm a little nervous. You know, <laughs> I should have started the, the, the summer fit program back in November, but it wasn't summer yet. We get nervous about silly things like what we eat, what we wear. Here's what Jesus says, exhibit A. He says, look at the birds. They don't have a harvest or store food in barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. And aren't you more valuable to him than they are? Jesus' response to the anxiety that you and I experience is this. He says, look at the songbirds outside your window. Open your window and look at the little birds. They're beautiful, they're carefree, and they don't store, they don't stockpile, they don't plant, they don't reap. They just trust that God is going to provide for them, and he always does. He says, he says that you are more valuable than these birds. And I'm not talking, he's not talking about like birds that are useful. He's not talking about turkeys, chickens, like, no, 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 he's, he's talking about little birds, the little birds that, that fly by your window that have no real value to you other than the pleasure of seeing them flutter. And he says, you are more valuable than they are. I, I think the first thing you've got to know when you're struggling with anxiety and worry is this, that you are valuable. You are valuable. And your God, he, he cares for the, the songbirds in the fields and you are more valuable to him than the songbirds 
in the fields. The big problem that we have is, this, is that we believe we are only worthwhile to God or worthwhile to the world around us when we bring something of value, when we're productive, when we're doing something. Let me say it like this. like At the core of humanity's anxiety issue is that we don't know if we are accepted by God. I think it's no wonder that Generation Z is struggling to know if they're accepted by God and they're dealing with anxiety. Can I just tell you that you are not accepted by God because of something great you've done, because you've somehow measured up to a bar, like you've accomplished some great thing. You're accepted by him because he loves you and values you. Like, like, he cares about you. He's not the little neighborhood boy with a BB gun shooting songbirds. He's the, one, he's the one putting the seeds out. He cares about you. And then the verse goes on and says this. Can, can all your worries add a single moment to your life? I mean, have you ever been able to really accomplish anything of importance with all the worry that you've been overwhelmed with? This text is interesting because some translations say, can you add to your height? And some would say, can you add to your age? And the reason is because it's a, it's, a, it's a language metaphor, height equaling age. It's really talking about age. It's saying, can you make yourself older? Well, yeah, you can, you can probably not just add to, the, add to your life, but you could probably take away from your life by worrying, couldn't you? All the stress, it doesn't help your life. It doesn't, it doesn't add to your age. It just makes things more stressful. Fear, fear is different than anxiety. Fear is different than worry. Fear is an automatic response that helps our conscience respond safely to unsafe situations. Like, it's important that you have fear. If somebody told you, like, like oh, I don't have any fear. Like, they're crazy. You need to have fear in your life, but anxiety is a reaction to fear or an anticipation of fear. Like, like anxiety is, is the concern that you might experience fear. Anxiety is a reaction to fear. And so anxiety is the, is the anticipation. It's fear that may happen in the future that is overwhelming me now. It's, it's an anticipation of unidentified threats. You ever ask somebody, why are you anxious? Well, I, I, I don't know. I don't know. I just have a concern about the future. Anxiety, it, it feels like, like a worry, like, like a low-grade dread. Like a gripping concern. Like, like all those emotions that are connected to it just kind of paralyze us if we're not careful. And in fact, it's, it's often like this, this loop, like, like we go into worry, we go into anxiety, and we loop back out of it just to go back into it. It's circular in nature, and it is debilitating. And it's circular in nature because we're looking for solutions to problems that have not happened yet. We're looking for answers to things that haven't 
occurs. Like, like you jump in the car and you, you start to drive down the road and may, maybe you're going towards Pendleton and as soon as you get like on the top of the hill towards Pendleton coming down, you're like, oh no, like I didn't change the brakes. Like, like is there enough, you know, brake fluid? And, and like start going down your, like if, is there an, is there an off ramp coming up? Like you start, start going down all the different possibilities of what might or might not happen, even though it's never happened to you before in your life. Anxiety often is, is typified by having this, this question of what if. And, and like what if is the very nature of thinking. Like it's, it's important that we think, but, but this negative what if, like what if this, what if that, what if this. You know, did I, did I take care of that thing at work before I left? Did, did, did something happen? Like, like the five minutes late, did something happen? Like, like, did I turn off my phone? Did I turn off the stove? Constantly worrying about the what ifs, the things that we cannot control. Like, like what's going to happen in the next election? Whatever's going to happen is going to happen. Well, what, if the, what if the U.S. dollar tanks in value? What if China invades? Like, <laughs> what am I going to wear to church? Anxiety erodes our trust in God. And when we're anxious, we behave as though our thoughts are the real answer and not God. What I mean is that the very nature of anxiety and worry is it is a thought pattern. It's a circular thought pattern where, where our mind is, is trying to solve all of the solutions rather than allowing the solutions to rest in God. Anxiety is when, when there's a, it's all right, it's all got to be right, rather than having a moment where God says, no, 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 I got this. He says this in the next verse, and why, why? Worry about your clothing. Look at the lilies of the field and how they grow. They don't work. They don't make clothing. And yet Solomon, in all of his glory, was not dressed as beautifully as they are. And if God cares so wonderfully for the wildflowers that are here today and thrown into a fire tomorrow, he will certainly care for you. I love that Jesus is exhibit A and exhibit B on why we shouldn't worry is songbirds and wildflowers. Just the things, not, not the things you've cultivated, not the things that are somehow going to produce value, but just the things that we enjoy because they are there. And he says, if God takes care of the flowers that are out in a field, and their beauty, and, and, and it doesn't matter how many photos you take of them, it doesn't matter how many times you try to paint them, no photo and no painting is going to be as beautiful as that flower actually is. Don't you know, if God cares for the flowers in the field, God is going to care for you. You are valuable, and he cares. I'm telling somebody that's been wrestling with worry, listen, you are valuable to God, and he cares. He's a good father. This is the very nature of the Sermon on the Mount, is Jesus showing us that God is father. 
He's a good father. He, he values you and he cares. He's not evaluating you and unconcerned. He values you. Because at its very core, unchecked anxiety is a faith issue. At its very core, unchecked anxiety is believing a, a lie about God. It's believing that God is not good, and therefore I cannot trust him, and I must look somewhere else. There's things outside my control, and at its very core, I'm saying, I don't think God will handle it. I must navigate this possibility in my mind because I am the only one that's looking out for me. Can I just tell you, your God values you, and he loves you. It's important when we're thinking about things that make us nervous or worried or anxious to ask this question, is it probable or is it possible? Is it probable or possible? I, I mean, is, is, it, is it probable that, that, your, that your airplane is going to crash? And, you know, I, I have my, my old pastor's wife, she would never fly because she was afraid of airplanes. Well, I mean, just like seriously, every plane was going to fall out of the sky. It was, was going to be, a, and, and I get that, but, but is, it, is, it, is it probable or is it possible? Because the truth is just about anything is possible. Like, yeah, it's possible. It's possible that, that it's going to fall. But it's not very, what, what's a lot more probable is that you're going to hit a, an, another vehicle in your Corolla. That's probable. Two vehicles moving 70 miles an hour with about two feet between them, th having an accident, that's more likely than all of the crazy loops that our, our minds take. So ask yourself, is it probable or is it possible? Because if it's possible, that doesn't really mean much. But if it's probable, it's probably happened before. It's, it's probably something normal that happened. So, and I would say this, like if you're, if you're struggling with, with worry and anxiety, let, let's take some basic precautions. Like, like start taking care of your health. Get some sleep. Get, get a full eight hours of sleep. Drink some water. Go for a walk. Because anxiety will tell you that you cannot choose but to be anxious. But as a believer, Jesus is saying, he's saying that you have an option. He says, do not be anxious. That means Jesus believes there's a choice involved in it somewhere. That at some point you can escape the loops of worry that plague your mind. Because anxiety will tell you that random things are, are regular things. Anxiety will tell you that one person not wanting to go out to eat with you means that nobody likes you. Anxiety will tell you that just because, you know, gas prices went up, you know, uh, 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 you know five cents, it means that the, the economy is going to tank. It's telling you that random things are regular things. So I, I had prayed and I felt like the Lord said that he was going to take care of that chair, that step. Saw so like the... Im, Im, in my, in my mind, I would call it, I would call it like a, some sort of a vision type thing of like 
a waterfall of God's presence hitting it and flowing down. And then just a couple of weeks ago, the chair installers arrived. The chairs got hung up in customs, and so they didn't get here on a Monday when they were supposed to be here. They got here two Saturdays later. And they got here, well, they got here Friday unloaded, and they started working Saturday. And so these guys get here, and they start unloading, and of course, it's Saturday, so none of our regular workers are here. And they get out with their measuring tapes, and they, they call me aside. They come and find me, and they say, hey, hey uh, Pastor, there's a problem. I said, well, what's the problem? They said, these things are not built the way that it shows on our paper. And because it's not built the way it's shown on our paper, it's not going to work. I'm like, oh, oh no, oh, no. <laughs> like, well, what's, what's wrong? They're like, well, it's, it's, it's off. It's, it's, it's like way off. Like, like, it's, it's, like you're going to have to lose 11 chairs. And, and <laughs> I'm like, we're, we're going to what? And they're like, you're losing 11 chairs. I'm like, these are, these are not cheap chairs. Like, we can't, we, we can't just return these 11 chairs. This is, this is not good. And they're like, yeah, but it, it's just the way our calculations show. It's just not going to, it's not going to work. It's not, it's not going to be okay. And so I, I'm freaking, they're like, we need an answer now. And I'm like, oh, I don't, I'm preacher, not carpenter. Like, I don't, I don't do maths. Like, like, come on. I'm just getting all nervous. And so like, I, I, I call the, the superintendent. I'm like, Hey, like, uh, we've got a, we've got a problem here. We, we, it's a Saturday and I, and I, and I know you, but we got a, we got a problem. He's like, Oh, I'll just have them install it and, and, and we'll figure it out. And I'm like, no, we're not, we're not just going to figure it out. Like we got to have an answer right now. And so then like, I, I, I call like the owner of the company. I'm like, hey, we have to have an answer right now. Like this is not good. And so then they send people over and they're out there measuring. And then like in about five minutes, they pull out their measuring tapes, measure a bunch of stuff, and then they look at the, the chair installers, and they said, hey, so these are the numbers here. Tell that to your boss. They said, okay. Tell it to his boss. They said, okay, we're good. Is that, is that it? Is that, we're still losing 11 chairs. We, we, where, where are we at? Well, like, are we good? Do we have to burn it? Do we have to tear it all down? Like, what are we... No, we're we're good. Well, that that'll work. We'll make that work. It's just not going to be. It's not going to be even. It's not going to be. It's not going to be straight coming down the sides, but it'll work. So okay, well you get your number. So I come back a few minutes later, probably a half an hour, two hours later. That's a pretty broad time span. <laughs> I come back, and uh, I'm like, hey. They're like, hey, we just want to show you. Like, it's just not going to be even. Like, you, you, it's, it's not going to be straight. I'm like, okay, so show me. And, and they start showing these, me these measurements, and it's like an eighth of an inch off all the way up the risers. I'm like, I don't really think anyone is ever going to see. You tell me that was the problem, an eighth of an inch? Yeah, that, that was a problem. We, we were going to, like, pack up and go back to, like, North Carolina over an eighth of an inch. And so then I had to, like, kind of, come back to the superintendent, be like, hey, I'm sorry I really escalated things. Like, I know I, I ruined your Saturday. Sorry, I still love you. And then as the chair guys are done, like, I'm telling you, they were like, they were ready to get on the plane and head back. As, as they wrap up all the chairs, <clears throat> he goes, uh, he goes, yeah, this, this worked out really well. I said, yeah. He said, you know, we, we normally don't have three feet, three inches. We normally just have three feet. You, you, you what? <laughs> yeah, it's, it's, 
it's not it's not that big of a deal. It's it's actually that's plenty of room. Like this is this is the the, the biggest we ever get. Like this is probably the most space we've ever had between the chairs. Like it's I was like, you told me like I was imagining like a bulldozer pushing the building over. And you're saying this is more space than you ever? Because when, when we allow things to just work up in our mind, we, we make them a lot worse than they actually are, don't we? Like, I mean, it's, it's, way, it's way worse than it actually was. The way it really worked, it was not a big deal at all. Like, like you, you might have had a conversation where you thought it was just going to be this huge issue, and you show up and begin having the conversation, and they're like, yeah, that's, that's fine. That, 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 you know, I didn't mean, can I just tell you, like, at the end of the day, anxiety is like a temporary, John Mark Comer says this, that anxiety is temporary atheism. Because at the core of anxiety, what we're saying is, I don't trust you, God. I don't trust that you gave me a vision of your presence falling on a, on a step and flowing into this place to make a difference and an impact in a valley. I don't trust that. Now I'm freaking out thinking we're going to bulldoze the whole building. Temporary atheism. Because the truth is we are not in control of our lives. And the preservation mindset of anxiety, constantly worrying about preserving ourselves, protecting ourselves, guarding ourselves, is completely contrary to the gospel of Jesus Christ that says that he will take care of all of our needs. In fact, this passage, it begins with the phrase, in, in like the King James Version, it begins with the word, therefore. In, in this translation, it says, uh, because of this. And here's an old preacher thing. Like whenever it says a therefore, you, you need to know what is therefore. And it's therefore comes right after Jesus saying, seek first the kingdom of God and all these things will be added to you. He's saying put, put first the kingdom of God and everything else that you're worried about will be added to you. Therefore, do not worry. Therefore, therefore, don't be anxious. Don't, don't freak out. Don't, don't go crazy because he will take care of you. Let me see where I'm at here. So it says in verse 31, don't worry about these things saying, what will I eat? What will we drink? And what will we wear? Instead, it says this, these questions or these things dominate the thoughts of unbelievers. But your heavenly Father already knows all of your needs. And so I know that in a room this size, there are people that have been living for God for decades. And there are people that are just coming to live for God. Some of you wouldn't even call yourself a believer. And right here in the Sermon on the Mount is the one time Jesus turns the lens and looks at you. If you're an unbeliever, he's speaking into your world right now. And he's saying what dominates your mind is the basic needs of life, the constant worries, the anxieties of life. And he's saying one of the greatest markers of a believer is they've learned that if they can trust God by seeking him first, they have a shortcut around anxiety and worry. Because faith in God is the antidote to anxiety. Because your father 
values you. He knows you. And he cares for you. The very next verse repeats a phrase that was said earlier in this same chapter. As the band would come, it says, Seek the kingdom of God above all else and live righteously and he will give you everything you need. I'm just praying that, that this, this message would somehow give somebody just a, a, a jump start into freedom from anxiety and worry. And Jesus' antidote to anxiety and worry looks like this. It's, it's I need to begin trusting God and leaning into God. I need to seek first the kingdom of God. Instead of going down the rabbit trail of all my late night concerns, instead of revisiting every difficult conversation that I've had, I'm going to press pause and I'm going to begin to seek first the kingdom of God. I'm going to live righteously. He's going to take care of everything I need. This is the second time in the same passage that Jesus brings us back to this basic principle of what it looks like to be different than the culture around us. Because it is all natural and it is very human to be consumed and worrisome and full of anxiety about all the various issues of life. And Jesus, as one of the greatest markers of a believer is, they learn to flip a switch and say, I'm just going to pursue first the kingdom of God. I'm not going to worry about my child that's losing their mind. I'm not going to worry about my job that seems unstable in the moment. I'm not going to worry about what's going on in traffic. I'm going to maybe should worry about what's going on in traffic. But I'm not going to worry about all the people that keep using their horns in Idaho. I'm going to seek first the kingdom of God. I'm saying that there's just something inside of me that when I get to those places... I'm worried about a step. That I've got to find myself a place of prayer. And, and I know this is easy to make this sound like I'm just saying, oh, just pray about it. Just, just get over it. That's not what I'm saying. But what I am saying is there is there is a you have a unique access to the very courtroom of God. Like you have access to to the one who spoke the world into existence. And so when anxiety begins to overwhelm me, I'm telling you where I go. Just This is just me out of my personal, my personal way. I, I, I press into the things of God. I begin to find myself in a, in a place of, like I've got to have more of him in my life to, to somehow counteract all the worry that I'm so easy to go to. Like, like I've got to get into so I can hear his voice and I can feel his presence and he can speak words of it's going to be okay. He says this, so don't worry about tomorrow. Listen to this. Don't worry about tomorrow for tomorrow will bring its own worries. Tomorrow has a backpack on full of worries. 
And today's trouble is enough for today. The goal isn't to be without worries and without anxieties and without troubles. The goal is to not pick up tomorrow's troubles. I'm going to deal with today's today, and I'm going to cross tomorrow's bridges tomorrow. And every time I do, I'm going to go back to my God. Because here's the unique thing about this passage. Is that it is, it is coming. This is one of the bookends to the Lord's Prayer. He, he teaches his people how to pray. And then he says, don't, don't worry about all the things you eat things you drink, what you're going to worry. Don't, don't worry about all of that. Why, why is he talking about worry when he's talking about prayer? Because when we read the Lord's Prayer, we see that he is giving us language for how to pray in these areas. The Lord's Prayer is more than just like a refrigerator magnet. It should be a rhythm of our lives. Church, can I, can I just tell you, I, I can't emphasize this enough. You, we, we must have a time and place with God. It's essential that you and I have a time on our calendar and a place in our life that is set aside to meet with God. One of the greatest patterns of how to meet with him is found in the Lord's Prayer. And this is, this is how it begins. Listen, this is talking, this is an antidote to worry. This is an antidote to the struggles we face. He says, our Father, not, not our, our demanding God, not, not, not some metaphysical force our father who knows everything we need before we even ask who clothes the lilies of the field who feeds the birds in the air our father who's in heaven hallowed be your name You're above all my struggles. You're elevated. You're not, you're not above them like you're snooty. But it's like the cares of life cannot pull you down. You're holy. Then it says, your kingdom come and your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Wow, that's, that's a pretty good prayer to pray when I'm anxious. God, when you're looking at this step over here, and I, I'm just so frustrated because I feel like somehow I failed all these people by making a step the wrong size, and I don't know what to do. Would your kingdom come on that step? Would your will be done on that step? On earth as it already is being done in heaven? God, would your will be done in my child's lives? 
as you've already planned in heaven for them to be, God, I pray that that would manifest in their lives now. Not that they would manifest themselves, but that your presence would manifest in their life. Then it says this, give us this day our daily bread. Not God, can you stockpile it up for me? But God, can you take care of today's provision? The things I'm worried about today, would you provide for them today? Tomorrow will bring its own baggage, but would you manage today's conversations? Would you manage the bid that I'm doing to God? Would you show up in the conversation about the bid? God, would you you provide in our family today? And we will come back to you tomorrow. Would you stand across the room with me? If this is for you, if you've been struggling with anxiety and you feel like God has something for you here today, would you just kind of raise your hand so I know if I'm even hitting a mark here? Okay, I got a few. Here's what I want you to do. Just kind of keep your hands up and we're just going to receive from God. Lord, you're a father you care for the songbirds in the sky and you clothe the wild flowers in the field so we know that you care for and you value us I pray right now for those that are stuck in a loop of anxiety and worry that they would place their trust in you their confidence would be in you. And when their mind goes a thousand different directions, that they would rest knowing that if they seek first the kingdom of God and your righteousness, you will provide everything we need. You're a good father. I pray that you would restore our minds and our emotions we would not be caught in the traps of anxiety, but we would be freed by trusting you. Jesus' name. I wonder in a room this size, Jesus addresses people that that are not believers in this passage. He says, if you're an unbeliever, you can probably attest to the fact that you're very worried about the cares of life, how you're going to manage it on your own, how you're going to provide for yourself. Can I tell you that the answer is, is not to work harder? It's not to make a spreadsheet. All spreadsheets are good. Checklists are good, but the real answer is trusting God and allowing him to be your father. So if you're in this room today and you say, I'm not a believer, 
but I'm ready to trust him or at least to give him a chance. If that's you, would you, would you just put your hand up so I can see who I'm talking to? Yeah. Yeah. Keep them up. Here's what we're going to do. We're going to repent and we're going to believe. Repent means we just turn away from not trusting God. We're going to believe in his death, burial, and resurrection. When we do this, he cleanses us from all the things that separate us from him. And he makes us right with him. Pray something like this with me. God, I'm sorry that I've just been so consumed with my own world that I have not trusted you. Would you forgive me? I'm turning to you now. I believe that Jesus Christ died on a cross for me, that he was buried and three days later rose again, demonstrating that he has power over all the concerns of life. So right now, I place all of my faith and all of my hope in Jesus Christ alone. Say these words with me. Jesus, be the Lord of my life. And I will make the best decision. Hey, I just want to say thank you again for tuning in to this week's podcast. If you want to learn more about Celebration Church, I'd encourage you to go to our website, www.thecelebration.church, to find out more. We love you guys, and let's continue to love God, love people, and change the world.